Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Brother Sister Show, a family-owned and operated podcast where two siblings keep in touch by talking about movies. This week, we're talking about Livia's pick, Parasite. But before we get into that, hello, Livia. How are you? I'm good. That's good. <laughs> you kind of shouted. Did I? Yeah, but I loved it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm okay. I <laughs> I haven't talked about my wisdom teeth in a while, so I can, I guess I can update y'all on that. Um, and my the like gum flap, all of it, it doesn't hurt at all anymore. So I'm my body, like I'm taking that as an indication for my body that I should just like leave it alone and not go to the doctor so let it be yeah but i'm having like eye problem stuff and it's i i just i always have something wrong with me but that well uh, yeah that's how i've been doing <laughs> what have you been watching um i watched a couple of things but only two stood out for me to actually were uh, like right um the first one is i i realized i hadn't seen alien like ever mm-hmm. so i watched uh. that and it holds up i mean I know I sound dumb when I talk about classics. Like, I think the last one was Silence of the Lambs. And I'm like, yeah, it was really good. Like, of course, it's fucking good. Everybody talks about how good it is. But I do still feel surprised when I see a classic and then it's actually super, super good. Uh So this one, I mean, even for the time it was made, it was still like the the practical effects and I don't know if they use CGI, but all of the effects were still really striking and scary. So oh, the like little face hugger things that was fucking terrifying. Um, the one that like when it's a ba- when the alien is a baby and then when it grows, like when it gets into like a full grown alien, it's all like super good and super scary. And yeah, I don't know. It, it's cool to see movies back in the day that have effects like that that actually scare you. Like, it actually did mm-hmm. make me really creeped out when I'll see a movie like like Off Pod. We were talking about um, The Exorcist, and I always make fun of that movie because it doesn't scare me, like, at all. Um, and I think it just boils down to, like, I'm used to more... Um, what, is, what is the word? Like, not updated more modern more yeah more uh, modern graphics or just like makeup and stuff and that like looking special back, effects yeah and looking back at older movies to me they look a little silly but i don't know like for stuff like that it's kind of it i do recognize that it had the limit of the time it was made but it's kind of hard to like be scared of it <laughs> Yeah, you know? I get that. But this movie was like, I was legitimately not terrified, but it was really creepy. <laughs> Spooked out. Yeah. Very good. Um, The second one was a movie I did not like at all. And I'm curious if you saw it, but um, <laughs> it's a movie that's new on Netflix called The Devil All the Time. No, I'm no? not. So it has, it has a pretty... Well, oh wait, first of all, before I get into that movie, yeah, but before I get into that, did you ever watch that movie I told you to watch, Strange But True? No, I'd never watched it. Oh my god, you need to watch it. I will not stop bugging you until you watch it. I think my dad did, I need to ask them about it. Um, Anyways, but it was like that movie where it had a stacked cast, 
And I saw the trailer when they first announced it, and it seemed intriguing, but it I didn't like it like at all. That's As, the Tom Holland one, right? Yeah, Tom and, Holland. Uh, Henry Cavill. What? Is Henry Cavill not in that? No. Oh, Henry Cavill plays Superman. Oh, right? Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Yeah. Robert okay. Pattinson, Sebastian Stan. Um, ooh. who is? Did you ask who? I said ooh. Oh. Um. <laughs> who else is in it? Dudley from Harry Potter is in it. Uh, I hate his face. He's a good actor, though. Like, I, I feel like I had the only time I'd seen him other than Harry Potter was the old guard, and like, and that one he was okay. But in this he one, was, he was pretty I good. I did not like him. The acting in this movie is good, but like, you have such a good cast, it's kind of hard not to be. Um, I mm. don't know. I I don't want to give too much away, but all I'll say is it it feels like it was a bunch of movies they tried to shove into one. And the movies uh, that make me the most upset, like if a movie is bad to me, I don't really get upset at it because it could be just my opinion. But this one, it felt like it had the remnants of a good movie. Like I was when I was watching it and I was reflecting back on it, I was like, I feel like there were certain parts that intrigued me or that I felt like could have made a good movie. And so it just feels really disappointing that it fell so flat for me. Mm. Yeah, that sucks. Like, I feel like if they just focused on, they had like so many stories going on and I wish they would have just focused on one. Um, it is a book, which I didn't realize. Um, so I'm assuming the book is better. But yeah, I think I was listening to a podcast. I forget, I forget which one, um, but they mentioned how it probably like many books that you adapt into um movies they can they probably are better served being um a television series and i could see this one being like a limited television series watchmen i so we can like this can be the transition into what you've watched or like how you're doing but um Mom told me that she watched Watchmen and she was like, did you know it's limited? Like there's no, it's the old, there's not going to have any more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, no, but I, I, I assume so. Cause nobody had been talking about a season two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think, uh, they want to touch it again. They don't want to touch that story just cause it's like, it's so good. And, uh, you, you, they could t- they could go with it somewhere else, but it, it's they'd be doing it in injustice, honestly. Yeah. All right. How are you so, doing? How are your um your wisdom teeth in your eyes? Oh wait, you have your wisdom teeth out, right? Yeah, I'm better gone. I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kayla. Kayla. Weirdly enough, she's born without them. She doesn't have them. Ugh, lucky. I know. She's like, eh, I don't know that problem. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just like Jesus. She's just better. She's just genetically better, I guess. I guess she. I built was born different. weaker. She <laughs> built different. Uh, what's new? I don't know why professors. I don't know if I said this already, but they just think that there is more hours in the day because they just be piling stuff on. I worked. I worked until like four or five in the morning on Saturday on one project. Jeez. And then I was just like glued to my seat working 
this entire weekend. And it was like sure. Sunday at 8 o'clock and I turned it in. And I was like, all right, 8 p.m. And I was like, all right, my weekend started. <laughs> it says I'm ready. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Kayla and I, well, Kayla bought the uh, Batman trilogy, the, the Batman Returns, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. on Blu-ray from Walmart. It was like 18 bucks for the trio. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were watching that. We've been watching that. Uh, I'm trying to think if there anything else is new. I think that's it. I got nothing in my life. <laughs> but yeah, so um, Batman Returns. There's a lot about that movie that I didn't remember. I, just about... Whenever people talk about the, that trilogy, I forget about that movie all the time. It just feels like such a different movie than the rest of them. It really is like there's a lot that I just didn't remember, like how Bruce Wayne was going to kill like the people who killed his parents before he became Batman and just how how the transition of him wanting to to fight for Gotham, but not as himself. That whole Mm. thing, I, I just missed me as a kid. Also, tonally, it feels very different, right? I mean, I. I haven't seen it in a long time, so this could be very wrong, but uh, Dark Knight feels more cinematic. Definitely. That makes yeah. sense. Like the the first one feels like kind of a typical superhero movie, but then the this next two feel like actual like movie movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely more. Uh, yeah. He's, de- he's definitely like imp- putting more of his style, Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. in this the last two, I feel like. Um, and I feel like the first he's like kind of getting his grasp of, of the world that he's creating and just like how he's going to tell the story, I feel, but, uh, finished dark Knight last night. That's a freaking good movie. And there's not a whole lot that I didn't, um, remember, but it's like that story is like so complete and it could have ended. Like that movie by itself is just a movie. Yeah. It's like, it could be on its own, honestly, but that one's perfect. I love it. And today we're watching uh dark Knight rises. We haven't finished it. We'll probably finish it after this, after we record this. Um, that's it. I forgot to plug our Instagram and Twitter. So uh, at Brother Sister Show on Instagram and then our Twitter is at Bro Sis Show. So that's all I got. <laughs> um, we don't I don't really have any movie news. Uh, the only thing I remembered because you're talking about Batman is that production for the Batman has restarted. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I will I will still not get over that. <laughs> Just a little crewmate. <laughs> Just a disgusting crew member. <laughs> oh, actually, um, I don't know why this made me think. Of uh, I started watching The Boys. Did we talk about this? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Oh, I finished it. Oh, how I think is the it? Last time I'd only seen the first season. It. <laughs> I. It's. I really like it, but it's so. There's some scenes. It's like super gory. Yeah. And there's some scenes that I'm like, it feels unnecessary, but I still like it. <laughs> like, there was this one, mm. I don't think this is a spoiler, but um, I was watching it with Sebastian, 
And there was this one scene in the new season <laughs> where they're driving a boat and one of the guys is like an Aquaman and he was blocking them with a whale, like trying to get them to not, you know, go onto onto the shore. And the whoever was in the boat were just like, we're just going to go. And so they just drove through the whale. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I looked over Sebastian and I was like, I mean, I feel like that wasn't necessary. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they just want to so drive much, through a while. Yeah, there's so much weird shit and like gory shit. I I really like it though. <laughs> it's really hard to describe, but um, yeah, I love it. I think it's really good. I this season I thought like Sebastian and I were gonna binge it, um, but I didn't realize they're doing they're doing it weekly. Oh really? Yeah. So That's I think cool. I'm like halfway through. Yeah. Well, the, the only, yeah. uh, not movie news, but the Emmys happened. Yes, they sure did. <laughs> uh, I'll just say Watchmen, Regina King won, and she was fantastic in the movie or show. I don't know why I said movie. And Watchmen won uh, Best Limited Series. So. You won a lot, right? Uh, Just three I'm seeing. And then... Uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm butchering this, but Yaha Abdul Mateen the second won mm-hmm. best supporting actor in a limited series slash uh what is it? It got cut off. Or movie, yeah. Yeah, I I like most of these winners. You know, I like Succession, one for drama, Zendaya won best actress, and she's the youngest person to win in that category. Um, I don't know how I feel about Schitt's Creek winning a bunch of stuff. I love that show. I love that show very much, but it won every single comedy category. Every single one. Is it really that funny? I, I mean, so I think it's funny. I think it's a great show. It has a lot of heart. Like it's one of those that it's genuinely feel good. Like there's no, there's conflict, but there's no like hatred. Like the none of the conflict is based on hatred, and so I feel like that's why a, a bunch of people love the show. And I don't mm. want to discredit the show at all. I think um, the comedian, I think his name is Matt Rogers. He had a really good point where he was saying like, there's no hate to the show. I I I love the show. I think it's a fantastic show. But the fact that that um, Emmy voters can think one show could win every single category within that one genre is a little ridiculous. Yeah. Like they're not like that show is not no show is that good, you know. Watchmen is. I mean maybe, maybe I don't I don't know, maybe I'm just like it's just kind of I don't know. And that's It does seem a little like, ridiculous. And that's the thing too about like I don't that's the thing about like genres, you know, by separating it by comedy and drama. And that's I think this movie is the perfect movie to talk about the way that we categorize things because sure, like that like that question you asked is actually that funny, but like it's I mean it's not fun like it's not funny like arrested development was funny to me you know i didn't laugh constantly it's a great it's written well it's a great show it has good acting but like 
I think maybe people equate it with that is like, oh, well, did I laugh a lot during this? Because my favorite, like, succession, I didn't even know it was actually a drama because it is so goddamn funny that I thought it would be nominated within the comedy, uh, um, like, genre. But my right. favorite comedy of last year was Rami. But that show is, it's funny, but it also is really, it has so many dramatic things behind it. Like, it has a lot of different like stories it's trying to tell and i don't know it just maybe people didn't vote for it because it didn't win or it didn't like make people laugh all the time but mahershala ali was he was nominated for it and like for him to not get an award during award ceremony is very strange to me you know um but i feel like maybe people just need to like open up the way they think about these certain the way that they start to like categorize certain things because uh, and especially with the nuance of television and movies, the way they're happening now, it is really hard to to put certain movies in categories. Because like Parasite is such a good example of that. It's so funny. It's so dramatic. It's so scary. Like it has so many different things that you can't really fit it within. It feels really, um, what's the word? It feels really... Not subtractive. What what am I trying to think of? I I don't know. It Normally feels, I know, but I don't know. <laughs> I know. Um, it just feels like it's you're taking away from it when you're trying to be like, oh, that's uh whatever. Uh, I could talk about this for like for hours, but just the way that and if it's if it's into so many things, people are like, oh, you're mad about the category it was in in an award show. Who gives a shit? Which I I also agree. Who gives a shit? But it also goes into so many things like the way that you market the movie though it just and the the way that people view it and then how they that that basically um i'm not like losing all of my words today but it kind of it determines how people interact with the movie mm-hmm. because it might be a good movie like her like her it's a precedent almost exactly um and like Hereditary, for example, the way that that movie was marketed, I liked it, but it was marketed to like an everyday, every like everyday viewer as if it was a traditional horror. And when people went to go see it, they were kind of disappointed when they came out at the end because they didn't have enough jump scares or they weren't traditionally scared how they usually get scared if they go to see like an insidious or a conjuring because it is more like it's more of a, a thinker and it more it gets more under your skin if you let it but i don't know it just the fact that people like might miss something that is really good because they don't laugh a lot or they don't get scared or you know what i mean mm-hmm. i butchered that whole thing but yeah <laughs> i get what you're saying but yeah i i mean overall i didn't I don't have cable, so I didn't watch the Emmys, but I did like, I think this is when we were watching um, The Devil All the Time. I was like refreshing my Twitter feed to see who's winning. Um, And I was, I have never, I still have not seen Watchmen, but I was excited for you that Watchmen kept winning. So. (laughs) Yeah. Gee, yeah. Yeah. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. The only thing I forgot to say that's new, I, I haven't watched anything else, but. This morning, I got the new Xbox. I pre-ordered it. Oh, my God. That's the only thing. What's new Did about Sebastian it? pre-order the new PlayStation? Was, was he able to get one? 
I don't know. I didn't even oh, know there is a new one. <laughs> Sebastian, if you're listening, let me know. Sebastian doesn't listen. Oh. No, I'm kidding. He does. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Well, I'll find out because oh. he'll let us know Dang. in the Discord. But I managed to get one. Hey, you're going to make him the Discord. <laughs> I don't, he doesn't have to if he didn't want to. No. I just, I just, I know, I will know. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I, I didn't even know there was a new, I, I think I saw the memes of it, but I didn't know it was like, is it out or people are just pre-ordering it? Just pre-ordering. It comes out, no, I don't know when the PlayStation comes out, but it, it's probably around the same time. But the Xbox comes out November 10th. And honestly, I feel like a kid again. I mean, I'm still a kid, but I feel like a teenager <laughs> a year ago. Still, are, are you not a teenager? How old are you? I'm 20 years 20, old. Okay. <laughs> I feel like a year ago, a teenager. I was trying to like, I don't know what. Oh, <laughs> I was making fun of you, but I was talking to Sebastian and I was like, 2011, how old is Anthony then? I don't know. And then he was like, wasn't he born in 2000? <laughs> It's like, oh shit, yeah. Because you always remind me of that. And I'm like, fuck, I always forget. It's just the year, bro. Oh, easy. <laughs> All right. Anything Wait, else? What were you making fun oh. of me for? Oh, I wasn't going to say it on the podcast, but I'll say it. So we were trying to find something to watch, and I wanted to watch a scary movie. And <laughs> I think it was you, but um, we I wanted to, or we were scrolling through, and there was a movie called Apollo 18. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you remember this? I. I don't know what you're going to talk about it, but I remember, I think. <laughs> so we, we were, we went to go see it in theaters, like with, like our family went to go see it. I don't even know if Homer was there, but, um, <laughs> to go see it. And I remember like when the trailer started, somebody told, I think it was mom. Somebody told me that you started crying. <laughs> we <were like> crying. <laughs> it's the and end of the was, world man and i looked at it i, I looked at the date because i was like this feels like it came out a couple of years ago of course it did it it came out in 2011 and you were 11 which is not like an outlandish and you were just like a scared kid so it was you just cried all the time yeah i was um, scared of the world <laughs> but also like aliens are scary yeah but it was it's so funny to me though because like it's our parents aren't like monsters they didn't make you go <laughs> I no, I genuinely <laughs> wanted to see the movie. <laughs> and then, I think like somebody leaned over to me and they're like, Anthony's crying, and I just could not stop laughing. <laughs> and it was the trailers. Remember. The movie hadn't even started. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, I remember that so vividly. I'm pretty sure it was you, because I don't think we would have taken Homer. Yeah, he would have been like eight. I don't know. My parents took us to see signs when we were super young. I should have seen how old I was because I feel like I was super young. And that movie scarred me for life. Mm. but it's fine all right let's get into it <laughs> all right let's take a, a quick break and we'll be right back with parasite greed and class discrimination threaten the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy park family and the destitute kim clan in parasite Directed by Bong Joon-ho, story by Bong Joon-ho, written by, you guessed it, Bong Joon-ho and Jin Won-han, starring Kang Ho-sang, Sun Kyun Lee, and, okay, I looked up all these pronunciations and they instantly left me, um, and Yeol Jung-jo. 
estimated budget of about 11.4 million opening weekend and made about 393,000 in the US it grossed about 53 million and worldwide it grossed about 257 million on IMDb it got an 8.6 8. out of 10 rotten tomatoes 99% 96% on metacritic IMDb like I always say I this think- every single time but what what I think that's the highest I've seen. Uh, yeah, it's normally like sevens. Yeah. But yeah, so critically did well. In the theaters, it did amazingly because it was in theaters for so fucking long. I'm not like complaining. It, it just, I remember, I think it played whenever I saw it. I saw it, I think opening weekend. And it was really hard to find a ticket. Like I went with me. <clears throat> it was me, Sebastian, and my friend Sona. And I like told my friends, I was like, I'm going to go see it. And you have to tell me today if you want to go with me, because usually I'll I'll be the one to buy the tickets so we can all have a seat together. And even I think I bought it like a day before and it was really hard to find three seats together. I saw it in theaters for the first time in January or February. Yeah. During the Oscars. And I think it played... I want to say it was November, maybe November, December, but it played from then until it was in, in, in like uh, in Oscars until it like went to the award season and whatnot. Um, and well, I talk about it a little bit because there's some fun facts about it, but it also had a second run in black and white, but that was pretty limited, I think. Oh, that would have been cool to see. <clears throat> I want they had it in Austin and I should have seen it because I at first I was kind of like, well, I mean, why do I need to see it in black and white? But uh Bong Joon Ho said that there was a specific reason he wanted to release it in black and white. I um, mean, I think I have it in the notes. If not, just remind me at the end and I have it in my mind. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? This is going to be a long one, so buckle up. Yeah, I took no notes because I'm ready for you to (laughs) go. All right. Well, we start in the Kim family's house. Um, They're trying to find a spot with Wi-Fi because theirs was disconnected. Um, The son, Ki-woo, he finds it in the corner of the bathroom, like the very corner of the bathroom. Um, And we... I like this scene. I love this opening scene because we see how their family operates and are basically just like plopped into the center of their life, which is the best way to start a movie and just to get familiar with the characters. Because my biggest pet peeve is when it feels like the the world was created right when the movie started. I hate that. Um, yeah. But do yeah. You, quick question. Do you think they stole this from Pineapple Express? Because it does the same thing. My thought, my answer is yes, and I really hope so. So, continue. No, among his references that I saw, that I found <laughs> when I was researching this movie, Pineapple Express was surprisingly not mentioned. No. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. <laughs> oh okay. Which, by the way, my dad had a a fun fact about that. That's actually, which I'm I'm sure a lot of people that listen knew that. They were seething at the teeth just to... It's from Gladiator. (laughs) Yeah, it's from Gladiator. And he sent us the video, and that makes it so much funnier. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because in it, it's like... He doesn't say it as epically as 
it is in Pineapple Express, but we don't have to get into it. No, Whatever. he's in like a gross home in a bathroom. <laughs> he doesn't no. yell it. Like there's more passion he's not yelling in it Pineapple, when they're about Pineapple to go Express. into battle. No. <laughs> you said there's more passion in Pineapple Express? Yes, when he says it, yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on. <laughs> well, while this family is, like I said, not scrambling to find free Wi-Fi from the cafe across the street, they're building boxes for a pizza place while they keep the windows open as fumigators come by <laughs> for free pesticide in their home. Um, another amazing indicator. So I try to... This movie just has so much good shit that I don't... There's some scenes where I have specifics, but I mean... Hopefully you've seen the movie, so you don't really need me to like tell you exactly what's happening. Um, but a, a big indicator that I caught this time, I think I've seen this movie like a handful of times. Um, so a huge indicator of what's going to happen in the later, like in the in the later like plot is their first something I want to call their first scam, which is the scam that they do with the pizza lady. Um, so the manager of the pizza place, I'm assuming it's a manager. I don't know if that's true. Um, the manager is pissed that the dad's boxes are not up to par. And as she's leaving, Kiwu, who is the, um, son, he mentions the problem that he hears, which is that I think the, she fired a driver. So they're like a man short. And then while he's just how he's, when he's talking about this problem that she has and he's trying to fix it. Ki Jung, who is the um, later known as uh, what's her name, Jessica, she comes in to assist, and then the mom pops into frame, and they're all surrounding this girl, like trying to scam her, and watching her as they basically force her to say yes. And so, mm-hmm. to me, that's very indicative of what happens in the later movie, especially because the mom and the two kids are in the house, and the dad is just kind of like going around and driving around Mr. Park. Right. So visually, it just reminds me, I was like, oh, this is so indicative of what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't even notice that. I don't know if that, I mean, it feels, it's, I don't want to like not think anything in this movie is intentional because I feel like everything in this movie is super, super intentional. The shoe fits. Yep. So after this, after they get paid, they're just eating in their kitchen and they watch some drunk guy pee in the streets. So their house is basically when I was I was watching a lot of like uh, video essays of this and they kept calling it a basement, Um, which is basically what it is. It's just like underground. Um, So they're watching this guy like pee in the street and his friend uh, Min comes from college. I, I don't I think it was was it Min or Min? I'll say men from college. Um, he stops by and he is like shouting at the guy that's peeing, like telling him he needs to leave. And the family is like, so um, taken like aback by this guy and his presence. And they're like, Oh, well, I think the mom says like college people, college kids have such a vigor to them, <laughs> <laughs> which is it. Is that true? Anthony, since you're a college kid. I tell people to stop peeing in my basement all the time. <laughs> it happens constantly. There you go. So he comes into the home and then he brings a gift to the family from his grandfather. And he mentions that it, where they open it and it's a stone. It looks like a like a mountain kind of like landscape stone. And he says that the stone 
quote, brings material wealth to families. And there's a couple of things about this scene and about this rock. Um, the first thing is that Kiwu says it's so metaphorical, which is the translation, but I think in um, the actual language, it means symbolical, but the translation says metaphorical. It's the same thing, but I don't know if people want that distinction. Um, but this is something that he repeats throughout the movie. Um, specifically Kiwu. And when the actor was questioned about about the significance of the stone to his character, all he said was that Bung Joon-ho didn't tell him that it meant anything. He just told him to take care of it, which I think is a very interesting direction to give your actor, um, which I also like it. Like, I feel like if I was the actor, I, I don't think I would want to know all of it either. I would just want him to like tell me exactly what Bung Joon Ho said is like just just take care of it just act, just be obsessed with it you know yeah it makes sense too i mean well, at the end i will go to it keep on going <laughs> yeah and so this the college kid also mentions that this grandfather collects something called scholar stones um, and a little fun fact about scholar stones so scholar stones are landscape rocks are known as Susuk in Korean. <laughs> I'm butchering that. Um, they have a deep history in East Asia. The director's father collected them when he was younger. Um, the practice of collecting these attractively shaped stones date back to thousands of years. But when but they what uh but they became a fixture of Korean society during the Joseon dynasty from 1392 to 1897 when they were commonly displayed on the writing tables of Confucian scholars, hence their English name, Scholar's Rocks. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> ah. um, then the college kid introduces an idea to Kiwu because he's going abroad for, for whatever. I think he mentions it, but I, I don't really remember why. But he's going to study abroad somewhere. And so he has an idea to have Kiwu act as a tutor to a rich family's daughter. And he basically wants him to do it, not because, I mean, he thinks he's smart. I don't think he would come to him if he didn't think he could do it. But the the main reason he asks him to do it um, is because he trusts him to keep an eye on the girl that he tutors because he says he's in love with her and he can't imagine the thought that somebody would be mm -hmm. improper or try to, like, date her, basically. She's like still in high school and they're yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> like we said this is a college kid um he's tutoring a high schooler and he says that he's gonna ask her out whenever she graduates which i mean i guess it's nice that he's waiting for her to graduate but it is still a little it's still creepy she's a minor <laughs> but yeah um a fun fact about this plot device so kiwu's job I might refer to him later as Kevin because in this home they have like different names. Um, Ki Jung is Jessica, and then Ki Woo's Kevin. That's how they referred refer to them. Um, but anyways, his job as an at-home tutor was chosen because director Bong Joon Ho realized that sadly that job is the only way that families from two extreme ends of class spectrum in modern day South Korea can cross their paths convincingly in the story. That's sad. Yeah. 
But yeah, it, it does make sense. Um, and this is where the scam begins. With Ki Jung's fake degree in hand and a nice suit on, Ki Woo or Kevin is ready to scam the entire Park family. Um, and a fun fact about this forced or this the forged certificate. Um, it's supposedly from a university or from the university that Bong Joon Ho went to. The director. It's very cute. <laughs> They talk about how I like I like that Kevin says this. He says to his dad because his dad's like, "I'm proud of you, son," uh-huh. or something like that. He's like, "I don't see this as forgery or a crime because I'm gonna go here next year." I just um, it's printed be, it early. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And that I do like the way that the parents are like. <laughs> I mean, they're enabling in one way, but it's I don't know. It is. I guess it's nice to see the support, but. <laughs> in a weird way like when ki jung is making it or when they when uh they see the certificate that she made they're like i think the mom says if they if there was a a a degree or like a a class where you were taught how to make like fake certificates that she would be the top of her class (laughs) so they are very proud of them all right, so this is when we first meet the Parks, the Park family, or part of them. Um, but most importantly is when we meet their house, which is where I have a couple of fun facts about them. Um, the Parks house set in the film to be designed, or is set in the film to be designed by a fictional architect named Namjoon Hinojia. And it was set complete, or it was this actually a set. It's not a real house, and it was built from scratch. Um, Bong Joon-ho did all the sketches, did a a lot of the sketches of the basic structures of the house. He further revealed that when the production designer consulted an actual architect to design this house, because like I said, they had to make the entire thing from scratch. This, the architect saw the sketches and said, quote, no idiot would build houses this way. This is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Um, But he did build it. In a very specific way, as we'll see a little bit later. Um, a couple more things. The house was designed to feature lines that directly divide the Parks and the Kims, which is why... And if you see... Which is why it was designed that way. And if you look at... Um, I've seen a couple of Bong Joon-ho's uh, storyboards. And he did... like Everything was, like I said, super intentional. And like Kiwoo says, very metaphorical. Um, because it has to do with a lot of like lines that divide them, but also a lot of stairs. Um, the stairs play a huge part in the imagery and the metaphors of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that's the next one. Stairs and vertical structures are a motif that runs throughout the entire film, which highlights the social divide between the Parks and the Kims. In fact, the director called the project a staircase movie while filming it. All right. Very cool. (laughs) I like that. I when I was shook when I first found out that it wasn't a real house. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it. That'd be a nice house to live in. A very nice house. And there's like two stories in it, in the fake house. Mm -hmm. And when they film the outdoor scenes, you can see like some some background, some uh, behind the scenes footage. It's like all CGI, the, the second yeah. half, and it looks so good. It's ridiculous. So cool. They use blue screens instead of green, but very cool. 
Next, we meet the housekeeper, Moon Huang, who mentions that the house was designed, like I said, by the architect that used to live there and that she had been um, the housekeeper when he was there. So she'd been with the house for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin has his first meeting with the mom, Yon Kyo. Uh, The mom watches the first lesson, which is where I get nervous, but he nails it like he's weirdly i don't they're so good at faking it like he has i think she like misses something and he takes her pulse and he's like when you take a test you have to like attack it and he's just like very uh i don't know he's just such a good tutor where i was like how he should act like I, i'm not mad that he's like faking this because he's yeah, good at can, it you can tell this is, like this isn't his first scam like he's he's scammed oh yeah Definitely. Um, da, da, da. Oh, and this film just does, does such a, I mean, it does a great job of everything, but it does such an amazing job of something that I always, I think I point out almost every movie that we do, um, but how they show and not tell, like they show who everybody is. Um, a perfect example of that is when the mom is about to pay Kevin and we see her, like she has an envelope of money that she's going to give him. And we see her kind of hesitating, like counting the money. And she actually like takes some of the money out when she's out of the envelope, when she's about to give it to him. Um, But then we cut to her at paying him saying that she added more Mm -hmm. uh, for inflation. So I don't know. That just honestly tells me everything I need to know about that family. (laughs) They got stacks upon stacks. They could have gotten so many different Xboxes. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, just the way that they, just the the whole, I don't know, it goes, I, I think I'm going to, we'll talk about it later because it goes into another like theme of this movie. Um, and this is also the first time that we meet Da Song and we also see Native American imagery displayed from the sun. Yeah, because he's a Cub Scout. Exactly. But I also think it's important to kind of take a pause and it's important that people, including me, understand just how heinous the mother's explanation of her son's like fandom of this culture is. And I read an article that there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to be mentioning, like video essays and articles that I'll link out to the Discord um, after this episode is out. So follow us or join our Discord and you can see all of this stuff and read it for yourself but um a journalist named Shay Vassar wrote an incredible article about what like the native just all of the native american imagery in this entire movie um but i took a quote from it where it says parasite and its dense criticism of class iniqu- inequity open up tremendously when the facts behind the use of da songs arrows and tomahawks are understood The American imported toys and their appearance become nuanced, disgusting, and proof that money cannot buy the respect that knowledge and understanding can bring. This leaves a very big question unanswered. Do worldwide viewers know enough about Native American history to fully understand Bong's critique? My assumption to be, or my assumption to the answer is no, which is yet another sad reality on many different levels. 
Hopefully the use of native imagery that exists in Dawsong's hypothetical toy box will open up this discussion worldwide, giving a platform to the native writers, thinkers, filmmakers, and other artists who are continually pushing for better representation in the media. And so what Shay is basically asking of us, um, of non-native people that are viewing this kind of imagery and um metaphors is to examine it and not just see it and be like oh that's funny that he just like likes native american stuff right um because it can be incredibly easy to write all of this stuff off as just a silly boy and his silly family that don't know any better like they he likes some things or they're gonna buy stuff for it or uh, like to uh indulge in that thing that he likes um but if we're refusing to acknowledge that history ourselves of an entire population of people, then we're no better than the ignorant mother in this movie. So just a little aside there. Um, but yeah, the, there's, like I said, um, this article just talks about the imagery in total um, and the way that Bong Joon-ho like, uses, he uses so many things to tell the story about like, capitalism just rich people in general and yeah and that we need to know uh, our history of things we need to look things up and we need to be taught them in school and not have a a boiled down version of it that people try to sell us all right amen <laughs> all right after this the mother uh shows kiwu a portrait <laughs> that Sung drew and he gets an idea a little oh fun fact about this self-portrait um <laughs> so this this peculiar self peculiar oh I can't say that word self portrait made by her young son that Miss Park proudly shows off to Kiwu on his first visit to the parks bears a very strong resemblance altered of course to resemble a child's work to the wild-eyed painting by the eccentric Mrs. Antony of St. Francis which her mad son Bruno finds amusing in the classic Alfred Hitchcock film Strangers on a Train um, this res oh, this resemblance is probably not coincidental, as attested to by the n numerous Hitchcockian themes and tropes scattered throughout this film, as well as a very prominent placement of Hitchcock of a Hitchcock video in one shot. Yeah, and I saw a lot of uh video essays where Hitchcock is a huge influence uh to Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, one so thing I want to point out is like. This is one of the funniest parts where um, they're talking, Kevin and Miss Park, and Kevin's like, oh, yeah, it's so uh, artistic. Like, it really resembles a chimpanzee, and she's like, it's a, it's a self-portrait, actually. And it's just like this this beat where it's just silence, and it's so funny. <laughs> and he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when I, like, that... I remember specifically when I first saw the trailer for it, um, and I remember that scene in the trailer. I was hooked. I was like, I need to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Um, so after that, Kevin, the idea he has is to bring his sister in on the scam as Da Song's art therapist. Um, so the next visit, he brings her along, and as she, as the mother gives her a tour, um, Kiwu is or Kevin is tutoring the daughter and this is where they have their first kiss man that that made me feel so gross yeah for a lot of reasons 
yeah not only is he doing his boy wrong but she's underage and yeah and then they're like oh we should just study <laughs> and she's like i don't know she, it just feels like I've, like all the the even like uh the college kid and, and kevin like they're both it seems like they're taking advantage of her yeah like it seems like she's just lonely or she's just like maybe not lonely i don't know it just it feels like she's being taken advantage of maybe that's something i never really thought of and i don't know if anybody's actually talked about is if he if kevin actually does like her oh or he just wants like maybe it's all a scam to him and he just wants it in yeah same thing about his friend though i i would i would pose the same question to him you know because he yeah. says that, like, the the main thing I remember that I that stands out from when he was talking about her is that he couldn't stand the idea of another, like, frat boy, you know, liking her or being with her. But he never really said that she was, like, sweet or that she was kind to him or that she's funny. He just, yeah, he just kept mentioning, he just mentioned how he didn't want anybody else to have her. You know? Yeah, that's weird. I mean, I could be wrong, but if, that's what I remember from that scene is that he was just like, I don't want anybody else to have her, but she won't like you won't stand a chance with her. So you should go to to her, you know, <laughs> and here they are making out during a they didn't make during out. They just session. like it was, just, I think it was just a, it was just like a one kiss. Yeah. Then um, they were like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then we cut to Jessica. <laughs> the way she talks to the mom. It's amazing. I love it. She like tells her she doesn't want her in the room um, when they're when it, she's having the first session with him. And then she wants the <laughs> she wants the housekeeper to go like spy on them. But then when they get upstairs, she's sitting at the table with him and he's very well behaved <laughs> like a robot. And she's like, come sit with me. Like <laughs> and she's tells the housekeeper to go away. Like she's just so commanding i really love it like she instantly falls into that role (laughs) and the mom just like eats it up yeah and so they're like sitting in the kitchen and she asks the mother she's like talking about what's what she found from uh a session with him and she asks about a traumatic event that happened to him and she the mom like gasps this actress oh my god she's so i the fact that I mean, I I love that they won Academy Awards. Like, I love that the movie won a lot of Oscars. But the fact that none of the actors were nominated is such a crock of shit. Especially the women in this movie are fucking amazing. All of them, man. Uh, Yeah, everybody. But the people that stand out are, like, Jessica and then the mom. Like, the rich mom. Even even, the maid. Yeah, all of them. They're all so good. Yeah. God, I love this movie. All right. After this, Jessica is given a ride by the driver um, who we first meet. So we meet the the dad, Mr. Park, and then we meet the driver. Um, And they insist that she gets a ride home from him. Um, And he's trying to get her to agree to have him drop her off at her her house. Um, But she insists on being dropped off at the train station. She even, like, lies and says that she's meeting her boyfriend. Another question I had that I don't I don't think anybody's that I've known has talked about is why was he so insistent on him dropping her off? 
Like, was it because he wanted to see if she, like, where she lived? Or was he actually being a creep and that's why she had that idea? I think he probably was being a creep. That's Because, like, he was, like, a little too persistent. Yeah, because I was, like, uh, yeah. Sam, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... Like I said, she has an idea. It looks like she like forms an idea from what's happening. And she basically, when she's sitting in the car, she takes off her underwear. And I remember when I first saw this, I vividly remember so many scenes. And I remember one of the, the like this one. And I was like, where is she going with this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was Same. so confused. Um, it makes so much sense now. But there's another, I need to, I don't remember where I found this. I think it was on Twitter like a long time ago. But somebody talks about, they did like an analysis of this of this scene where like the framing of it where when we first when the scene first starts we're looking from jessica's perspective um and he looks like super mysterious or no no no. we're like looking from the front of the car and so we see him predominantly and she's like in the background and as soon as she gets the idea to like after he like kind of harasses her and she's like no take me home and the camera's like in the front seat but as soon as she has the idea, it shifts. And it, it like if you watch it, it like rotates to the back of the car. And it goes from her perspective where she's taking off her underwear and she's looking at him from the back seat. So the, Damn, the perspective I know. The perspective like shifts where it's in the front, focused on him, but then once she gains and he's like trying to control her and tell her what to do, but once she gains control of what's happening, it physically mm-hmm. shifts. I know. When I saw that, I was like, what the fuck? It's amazing. I mean, part of me is like, I don't know. I wonder, that's why I wonder when, when directors watch other movies, if they can see this instantly. Um, and it's kind of like annoying because it's like they get to know how the sausage is made and they don't get to enjoy the movie. But then it's kind of cool. Like when you watch it after you see an explanation of it and you're like, that's why. I felt this way or that's why this mm-hmm. happened, you know? Yeah. It's so smart. That's why I'm like, I don't know how they even come up with this stuff. Ridiculous. I man. Like I watch movies like this and I'm like, I could never make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. I'm not this smart. All right. So after this, um, the next day she asked or Jessica asked, asked her dad um, if he's driven the same kind of car that the driver takes the uh, Mr. Park around in. I think it's like a Benz, right? Yeah, it's a Benz. And I just want to say this, at this point specifically, I was like, it all clicked. And I was like, oh my goodness. And that's, I don't have this a lot for for movies, but there's there's some movies where it's just like, there's that one scene where you just, or one line where you just, you just sit up and you're like, all right, this is getting good. And you like adjust to get like more comfortable. Like that, that feeling is what like I vividly remember watching this movie and like, oh shit, here we go, it's getting good. <laughs> like it was so yeah, I had the same uh, like reaction watching it again. It was so awesome. I think part of me because I knew a lot of people. I didn't know what happened because people. I love when audiences are really good preservers of spoilers. Like I didn't know anything about this movie. I did know that it had like like that it's super unexpected, and to me that's code for like there's a twist. Um, so I knew that something was going to happen, but 
the thing I loved about this movie is it made me forget that. And it made me so into what was happening that I was like, in the back of my mind, I was still kind of like, okay, what's, how is this going to turn? What's happening? Um, but yeah, like it, I guess we'll talk about it when it happens, but it's such a big shift in this movie in my mind, when I think back on it, it, it feels like two different movies. Like yeah, this definitely. one, it's, right now, it's kind of fun. And I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, scam them, please. Um, and then it gets weird. <laughs> but yes. Um, after this is when Mr. Park is in the car and he finds the underwear in the back of the car. When he gets home, him and his wife decide that they don't want this kind of guy to work for them anymore because they basically just see the underwear and just build an entire <laughs> story around it. Um, oh, I also love the scene. I don't know if I have this in the fun facts, but Bong Joon-ho said that a lot of the influences of this movie was the the actual themes of this movie, you know, talking about class and all of that. But a big thing too, a big inspiration was that he wanted something super cinematic. And I, I don't know why, but every time I think about this movie and how it's being cinematic is like the scene where instead of him, like whenever she's like, I don't understand what you mean, instead of him saying it, he goes like up to her ear and he whispers it and she gasps and put her hand over her like mouth. It's yeah. so cinematic. Like everything in this movie is so cinematic. It's so funny. Cause like after that, she says like oh, cocaine or, or heroin. <laughs> like that made me laugh so hard. Cause like, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know how they got to that conclusion. It just, I know it, it's just so funny. And then they're like, just come up with some lame excuse because we're better than that. Like to, we're, we don't want to go down to his level, and that's just that also spoke to just that. Just let me know. I I know I know what kind of people these are. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> what kind of people these are? Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> you okay? Oh man, what am I doing with my brain? All right. Um. So after this, uh, Mrs. Park, she brings this up to Jessica like she especially because she had a car ride with him and Jessica like mentions that I think she mentions it was weird or no she says it was fine that she was like draw or no she said what happened oh <laughs> now I remember so she basically told her that she had her she had him drop her off at like the the train station and the mom was like good girl <laughs> <laughs> and because she told her like basically what happened she didn't say it but she just said something happens where they needed to fire him and she mentions that she has the perfect driver that they can hire and i wonder who that is it's of course the dad <laughs> papa um and he's given a sort of test by mr park that he passes but i would for sure fail <laughs> like he oh my he, goodness he does a test where he's holding a um a pretty full cup of like mug of coffee and he's holding it while um mr kim is like driving and <laughs> i just i think it would be funny to i'm sure somebody did this but kind of like as a parody to like have the coffee going everywhere <laughs> that would be me that would be me driving it would definitely. It would go I, everywhere. What if, that, what if, if that's that how they just, did like driver's tests? I was just about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be hilarious. 
Oh, man. And what if it was like they scored you, but then they had a cup in the back and they're like, OK, so let's see how the water test went <laughs> just, or see how the coffee test went. It's like really hot coffee and they hold it over your lap. Oh, <laughs> so my God. You <laughs> that test is so nerve wracking to begin with. I don't know. I will probably just not have my license. I just wouldn't drive. Yeah, I walk everywhere. <laughs> Um, so the next person that they have to get rid of is the housekeeper and she presents a big challenge, uh, because like we said, she's been there for a long time. She's very trusted. Um, one thing that I found in a video essay, I, I, I'll send them in the discord, but, um, the reason that like the whole, it, it plays into the whole, like, uh, the lines of this movie where it has physical lines, like within the, the actual house, but Mr. Park himself mentions lines a lot, like people not crossing a line, people staying within their lines. Um, and he says one of the he mentions when he talks about the housekeeper that the reason they keep her and the reason they really like her is because she knows not to cross the line. Like she knows where her place is, basically. Um, yeah, so basically, that's like a, a big reason why <clears throat> it won't be as easy to just get rid of her. Um, but they found the perfect solution, peaches. Um, and a fun fact about the peaches, which are very famous for this movie. Actually, within the, um, this isn't a fun fact, it's just something that I know. But whenever I went to go see this movie, um, I saw it at the draft house. And if whenever they have, whenever, when, back in the day, whenever movie theaters were a thing, um, they would have limited edition like menus and for this one it was a lot of i think i don't know if they had the the pot like the noodles pasta um but i know they had they had these wings i really wanted but they did they sold out of them um but they had like a peach cookie and they had a peach mm -hmm. smoothie and just had a lot of peach things peach really stuff cool. yeah i think sebastian got one of the i think got the smoothie or the milkshake i don't know um so talking about the peaches in the film Bung Joon-ho revealed that while in college, he went on a training trip where one of his friends said that he was severely allergic to peaches. Bong thought he was kidding, but when some other kid went to a nearby grocery store and jokingly tossed a peach at the boy, he turned bright red and had an attack, even though it didn't hit him directly. Bung found that the fact that peaches were pretty to look at, but could also be used to attack somebody was very cinematic, and so he needed to have it in this movie. Man, the heist that they pull off. And it is like that one shot, so. the one shot of her getting the peach and just like looking at it. That shot is amazing. And when they do the, the, the little, because they get shavings, like peach shavings. The, the fuzz of it, yeah. And they like dash it on her neck or something. And it's just That's, a little bit too. <laughs> That's all they need. Um, and so after this, she has to go to the hospital because she's just breaking out and she needs to figure out what's going on because she like I, like we said she obviously doesn't know that it's the peaches um and so when she's at the hospital mr kim shows up and he takes a selfie <laughs> where she's in it and so the next scene he shows it to uh mrs park and i love the scene so they have this where he's like telling mrs park about you know going to the hospital seeing her they have it intercut with 
the son with Kevin helping uh, Mr. Kim, like with his lines. And I love this scene, especially because um, I feel like for American audiences, maybe the like the average American audience doesn't know these actors because they're predominantly in uh, like Korean films. Um, but if you are familiar with like Korean films, then you know that this actor is super famous. <laughs> And so the fact that they have like a lesser known younger actor, like basically trying to teach this guy tried to how to act like it's just very like a funny scene if you know the context of it. Because mm-hmm. um, he he's like delivering the lines and then Kevin's like, no, like you're doing it. You're up here. I need <laughs> you down here. <laughs> it's like Timothy Chalamet giving uh, directions to like, Tom I don't Hanks. know, like Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's just like the context of it. Oh, and th- this actor is also in um I think his name is Kang Ho Song. He's he's in um a couple of Bong Joon-ho's movies. I I think mm, I think he's in Snowpiercer. But I have to double check that. All right. And so after this, there's this like, there's so many scenes in this movie that are just so well choreographed. And this is one of them where um, Mr. Kim and the mom and Mrs. Park are going, they're like arrive at the house. And so that's when Jessica comes down and she like, just throws a little bit of fuzz and causes her to have like a coughing attack. And she coughs into a tissue, throws it into the trash and um somehow i don't i don't know how he did this gracefully but he like squirted hot sauce onto it so it looked like blood <laughs> and there's a ton of shots in this movie that are amazing but there's two specifically that i can think of that are my favorite and the second my second favorite shot in this movie is him picking up the tissue and showing it to young kyo it is so funny. And His if you look at face. It's so He's just like, oh, oh no. Oh no. And I need to find um I'm gonna I need to remember to send all this stuff in the Discord. But there's uh if you look at the storyboard of this scene, but I think it was Bung Jun Ho. I, I don't know if he drew this, but the drawing of this scene, it looks exactly like it. Like the guy has the same face. You you that has to be the the still for this episode <laughs> post. Okay, just like the, yeah, yeah. Uh, that. Oh my god! I, I mean, people who have seen this movie can probably guess what my first favorite shot is, but this is by far. I don't know if it where it stacks up in like shots in movie history for me, but this shot is like it's up there. So good! It is so fucking funny. Like I could so not funny. stop laughing in the theater and then like and also i don't want to discredit mrs parks like the shot of her where she's like (laughs) damn it she's like oh no that's also an amazing shot oh god this movie's so fucking funny um yeah and so they basically have to fire her oh i don't i i forgot what it was that they said she had it was a tuberculosis tuberculosis yeah <clears throat> which is really <laughs> like a really serious disease to like accuse somebody of having um so basically she gets fired and mr park um is talking to mr kim just about 
the fact that they need to find a housekeeper. And this is when he mentions the whole line thing. Like, oh, I really liked her because she like knew to stay. Um, like stay in her lane kind of thing. <clears throat> and so Mr. Park or not Mr. Park, Mr. Kim says he has like the perfect solution. And he gives him a card, a business card of, of obviously a fake business. Um, but I do love when he gives him the card and he's like, Oh, I can tell it's a legit business because of the the business card. <laughs> Hello? It's a legit card. <laughs> oh, are you delayed? No, can you hear me? Okay, yeah. I was just saying it's a legit card. Yeah, I mean, it is like super thick. <laughs> yeah, I mean... When he's like, it's a nice design. <laughs> it kind of reminded me... It reminded me of the... Card. Oh, exactly. But it reminded me of the scene in American Psycho. I've uh, never seen it. <gasps> what? You've never even seen the the scene I'm talking about? Mm-mm. All right, I'm going to send you the scene. <laughs> I, it's better if you watch it without the context of the movie because it's so fucking weird. Okay. All right, so now the mom is in. She's in on the scam, and she's the new housekeeper. Um, And they have a really just a funny scene of just all of them in the park, the park house, just all doing their jobs and living their best lives. And I think this time when I was watching it, I did take a moment to appreciate how fucking creepy that is that all these people are working for you and you don't know that they're related. I mean, Uh. it's not really it on, on the surface. It's not, I mean, without the lying, like the lying is the bad part of it, but it's not like, inherently creepy but just knowing that they all know that i don't know it's just very weird <laughs> yeah if i hired like four people and i found out that they were related it'd be kind of weird and they actively lied about it that's strange yeah but anthony it makes me sad that we didn't start this podcast saying that we're like friends or like not siblings boom and then reveal it <laughs> the friend show the friend show the friend friend show Uh, friend friend show all right so the park family then decides they're gonna go on a little camping trip for a dosong's birthday and they're having so they they go off and leave for their trip i don't know if they mention this now but I guess I'll mention it that um, the reason they leave for his birthday is because of that traumatic event. Oh, I think they do mention it. Yeah, I'll talk about it later. But they, he just doesn't like to be in the house for his birthday. Um, so they decide to go. And while they leave, the Kim family decides to take over. And they're having a great old time. They're taking baths in their bathtubs. They're reading their diaries and just drinking and eating in their living room. It's a, it's a great time. Um, and while they're eating and drinking and hanging out and they're just like, it's a, it's kind of, it's a cute scene of them just like being a family of talking about what their future will be. And I think they're also, there's a couple of like lines of all of them talking about, like making, basically giving compliments to the Park family, like talking about how they like them and mm-hmm. whatnot. But then there's a doorbell ring. Oh no! And a fun fact about that that I saw in a video essay is that the doorbell ring takes place at the exact middle of the script. 
It's 141 pages, the full script, and it takes place on page 71. That's that's the that's the shift. This is where yeah, this is where we find this is where the the divide is for the first movie and the second movie. The first act and the second act. We're now in the intermission. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and for whatever reason they answer the doorbell. And it's the old housekeeper and she looks like shit. <laughs> but she is it's so so she's just saying like she's looking into the camera and she's saying that she left something. I think she said under the kitchen is the exact wording, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she in this camera, like I remember first seeing this and this like whole scene of her looking into the camera and just like she looks so desperate and she has a little hood on. It is so scary. She still looks like sick from the peaches. Yeah, that's what I said. She looks like shit. Like she's like all puffed up and. Kind of, I feel like I felt bad for her because it was all like she lost her job. She looked like shit because of this family. But I was like so creeped out because she's very creepy in this instance. And for some reason, they let her in. I knew it was going to happen, but I was like, I, I remember I, I think I was like looking over to my friend or Sebastian and I was like, don't fucking let her in. Don't do it. But they let her in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they do it. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. So they're hiding. The rest of the Kim family is hiding um, while the housekeeper goes down into the basement to get whatever she came for. And she, before she goes down the stairs, she looks at the mom and Mrs. Kim and she's like, would you like to come with me? (laughs) Do you remember that? She's like, do you want to come down with me? That scared me. It's just like, why did you let her in? Just she's like so goodbye. unsettling. It's it's really really scary. And so she she's like, uh, no fucking way. And so she goes down by <laughs> herself, and they they're just like sitting waiting, like what the fuck is going on? And I think Mister Kim like points to Mrs. Kim, and he's like, just go, just go down there and see what's happening. And so she goes down, and the family follows like really quiet, like quietly. They're just like huddled together, trying to figure out what's happening. Um, and <laughs> while she goes down there, she sees, I, this part scared the shit out of me when I first saw it. Cause I didn't know what that was where, cause when the, the like scene of her or the shot of her, like pushing onto the like cabinet, I, my brain didn't recognize that as her pushing it. And so I remember like I, I got scared cause I was like, what the fuck is that? Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what just, I mean? Like, <sighs> yeah, and just like something there, I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But she helps her, so Mrs. Kim like helps her open the cabinet, and it opens to like just a dark basement, uh, and the mom's stairs. like, yeah, and some stairs, and the mom's like, what the fuck? And oh my God. So seeing this, like I said, I saw this, I think, I don't know if it was open. It might've been the week after, but it doesn't matter because it was that theater was packed and it was so fun because this whole scene, everybody in the theater was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Cause like I said, this movie was like, so like funny and happy. Like, Oh, this, this family's getting scammed. They're so stupid. Ha ha ha. But now we're like, what? A complete. <laughs> tonal shift oh complete shift because like we don't know what's going on and so the mom runs down because the housekeeper just like she just fucking goes 
And then the mom runs down and it's like a whole winding hallway and she's running. And I remember watching this with my friend and my friend was like, what is going on? Cause she's like running so fast and we, our brains don't have like time to catch up. Is like, what is, where is she going? The, even the, like, it feels like the colors of that scene changed where it was like warm inside the house. But as soon as we got to the like basement basement, it was like green and kind of feels like saw this like move the saw movies <laughs> yeah like the yeah exactly like that that's what and, i was gonna say like the dark not like dark green but like a a scary green or even like you know what it also feels like is that cloverfield or 10 cloverfield lane it has yeah. the same like coloring you know it kind of has the same color i might be stupid on this one but it kind of has the same color as the rock not oh. Dwayne, but <laughs> yeah <laughs> the scholar rock or the scholar the scholar rock <clears throat> yeah i didn't think about that well it's probably because of the material of the walls it is rock but, but yeah but yeah oh god this scene is so good um in one of the video essays i'm gonna send it like breaks down this entire 10 minute scene of like the shift and it just breaks down how well it just it how well it takes the tone so like down and it kind of gets really heavy um but yeah so she when we get downstairs it gets even like i i I was trying to remember and i wish i would have one of the things i wish i could remember from that experience is what i thought they were going to get to you know like right in my mind i was like what could possibly be down there but i think i was so into the movie that i could had no fucking clue Mm -hmm. i was just waiting Yeah, and then when we got there, I don't know if I could have ever imagined this, but it was her husband. But it's not just, like, a man sitting down there, because she has a bottle, and she's feeding him and rubbing his belly. It just feels very strange, and I don't know if it's just the context of him being, like, living in somebody's basement, but I just, the whole scene, like, everything he does is so unsettling to me. (laughs) <laughs> like the way he drinks the bottle the way he, <laughs> the way he eats, eats the, the banana, banana. <laughs> oh man My, that dude don't that, eat it like that that dude is chomping down yeah he's so like he is focused on eating that banana like he that's the only thing in the world he wants to do is eat that banana <laughs> it, was, it was just him and, and that banana in the entire world <laughs> yeah it was a universe of just them and this is when we learn that he has been down there for four years. Holy shit. Um, since the first guy that lived there. And so basically, they they mention, I think they go into details. Or no, not I don't know if they go into detail. But basically, he owes a lot of money. Like, they owe a lot of money. And the debt collectors were, like, very hostile. And it was they just needed to get him out of the world, basically. Because they were just going so heavily on him that he just needed to escape. And so this was the solution, I guess. <clears throat> and the park family has no idea that that place is there. Cause she mentions the housekeeper mentions when, whenever he was selling the house that he didn't disclose, I forgot exactly why it was there. I think it's like a panic room basically, but whenever they were selling it to the park family, he didn't disclose that it was there. So she was like, well, I'm just gonna put my husband in here. <laughs> So they have no idea that it's not only 
do they i mean they obviously don't know that that guy's there but they don't know that this basement exists at all yeah so creepy um and so mrs kim is like really disgusted and she's like is basically threatening to call the police and um, how could you do this to the park family you're lying to them when she knows damn well that she's lying to them <laughs> too so it's like what the what are you what are you doing yeah Ugh. i remember in that like in the movie i was like or whenever I was like watching it in the movie theater, I do remember like I did shift really easily where I was at first I agreed with her. I was like, yeah, like this is why is she doing like this is kind of weird that they're just like there. The family doesn't know. But then I was like, wait, <laughs> they don't yeah. know about you either. What do you like? Don't get off your fucking high horse. But, and we are quickly reminded of that. Yes, because the dummies all fall onto the floor. <laughs> and not only that, but uh kevin's like dad my ankle like <laughs> and he's yeah, like call i don't me know dad. what that was about yeah i don't know but they basically blow their cover and then <laughs> the housekeeper's like well looks like i'm not the only scammer and she actually records them <laughs> she's like she she threatens them with it and she's like come like come near us again and i'm gonna fucking send this and i love that when the when mrs kim tries to call her sis because like that's a, i think a, in korean culture that's a term of like endearment is to call each other sis and so the housekeeper does that too mrs kim like she calls her sis whenever she's like trying to get her to agree to like not tell the park family about her husband there and she was gonna pay and she like had a whole plan where she was gonna pay her she was gonna uh pay her to leave him food all this stuff and so whenever it like switched on them Mrs. Kim tries to call her sis and she's like, don't call me sis, you fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah. So rough. I don't blame her. I'd be pissed too. Yeah. But, um, then they all go upstairs. Um, they're relaxing. Well, at least the housekeeper and her, her husband are. Um, and the family is just on the floor with their hands up waiting for her to basically send the video. She keeps threatening to do it um, while her and her husband are just like, massaging each other i have no idea what the fuck they're doing but they're having a great old time but then i think it was mr kim one of them like charges at the housekeeper and they have like they're all fighting they take the phone from them they're just like wrestling with each other um and while they're fighting uh jessica go like runs and gets a peach from the mm. fridge and she rubs it all over her face guys so rough I know. And while they're all fighting, the phone rings. And Yeonkyo tells them that they're going back because of the rain, because it's starting to rain really hard. And she asks if they can make Ram Dawn, I think is what she calls it. Yeah. <clears throat> Which begs the question, what is that? Because when she hangs up, and I think this is mostly for um, Korean audiences, because I didn't realize that this is actually not a dish. Or at least Ramdon uh, is like not an actual term, and it was invented by, or I'll get into it. But um, but that's why like when when the mom hangs up, she's like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> so <laughs> Ramdon is the dish that Mrs. Park asks Mrs. Kim to prepare as they are returning from their campaign or their ca- campaigning trip. Their camping trip is actually a term invented specifically for this film by subtitle translator Darcy. Paquette, 
She combined the names of noodles that used to make it ramen and udon. Um, he felt, oh, I said she, but it, it's a man. He felt the dish's actual name would be too difficult for English speakers to understand. I, it was on here, but I can't pronounce it. So he, he was right. Um, the beef that Yongyo asks, he asked to be mixed in is hanu, which is one of the most expensive meats in the world, which serves as a, a commentary on the parks that they add premium beef to a dish regarded in Korea as a budget comfort food. Most expensive meats in the world? Wow. Yeah, I should have looked up how much it is, but I did not. All right, and so this scene is the single most stressful scene, and I think of all of cinematic history. I I could not handle it. I, I know that a movie is good when I like am having physical like reactions to it. Like I remember in this scene, I had both of my hands on the side of my face. Cause I was like, are they, they're not going to do it. Cause they're basically trying to like run to fix everything. They're fixing all of this shit that's in the living room. Clean up. They're cleaning up. Um, uh, Kevin needs to put the diary back. She all deal, deal with the, the oh, old yeah, maid the and his, her husband. <laughs> and trying to make this dish that she didn't even know what the fuck it was um yeah there's just so much shit going on and it it was so 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 stressful the thing thing itself earns an oscar sorry go on the thing i'll say is like this is like a common trope in in movies is like oh mom and dad are headed home like we have to get ready but this movie does it so good just because of the buildup. Oh my god! And like, ugh. And what's what's at stake? Yeah. Like, how are you gonna explain that? <laughs> oh my god! It was. It's one of the most stressful movie experiences I've ever had. <laughs> and even now, like, I remember when I watched it. I know how it ends, so it's like not as stressful. But I still felt so anxious during it. Yeah. It is so effective. I fucking love it. Um, so yeah, and then we get to, so we get to a bunch of things that are uh, really creepy, really stressful. Um, so they eventually do get home, and <laughs> when they get home, one of the I think one of the like creepiest things of this movie. There's so many creepy things, but one of the like just things that makes me like, like gives me chills is so there's these lights at their entrance. And whenever Mr. Park walks up the steps, they light his way. Basically they all like singly or singularly light whenever he walks on the steps. And it looks like it's just a feature of the house to the point where I didn't even recognize it until this scene. Like I didn't know what happened really. Um, Or I guess I didn't like take note of it. But it's not automatic. The guy that's in the basement is doing it individually. Oh, <laughs> creepy so man! Creepy. He lights it. There's like a button for each light, and he lights it as Mr. Park goes up. And he also says that he sends him messages. He has like a Morse code thing on his wand. He sends him messages to thank him through Morse code. Um. And he also yells respect. <laughs> respect! I loved it. Um, 
but this, so it's, it's creepy in a lot of ways, but it also shows something super interesting that I saw in a video essay that I would have never thought of. Um, so it's, it's basically essentially something called cool capitalism. And so just think about your iPhone, right? Like the phone you use all the time. It's cool and sleek and it does a lot of cool things for you, has a lot of cool features, use it all the time, whatever. But like, just take a pause and think about the history of this phone. How it was made is is super dark because a lot of technology, I mean, Apple tries to hide this to the point where a lot of people don't think about this a lot. I mean, admittedly, I don't think about this a ton, but it's basically made with slave labor or mm. with labor that's like, in conditions that are not great that the people are not paid well um all of that was used to make this phone and like i said it's well hidden to those that use it and let me sorry i missed my note but basically it like just shows this whole idea that there's something that he thought in his house that Mr. Park, whenever it happens, he doesn't even recognize, he doesn't take the time to realize that it's cool, but also to him, it's just a cool feature of his home. It's just an automatic sensor. When in reality, there's somebody down in his basement that's doing it for him. Yeah. Like a kind of directly in his house. Yeah. Like there's, there's somebody that is directly suffering to create that, automatic cool thing for him that's just a little feature like our phone i mean it's a ton of stuff in our in our homes that we use like the shoes that we wear the the technology we use the just all the things that we do a lot of people have to suffer for it and it's really i think people just ignore it you know it's kind of he just ignores he doesn't know the guy in the basement is there but if he ignores it you know even if there was something weird that could have been like the whole, like, you know, when it, it like flickers and they notice that, but they're kind of like, oh, but we just need to get it checked out. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Because also, like, you're talking about tech, like, that's a good example because Mr. Park is in the in the tech industry. And you see that whenever he, whenever Mr. Kim uh, goes to, like, interview, he goes to his office and you can see that he's working on, like, VR, but he's not, like... He's like designing stuff, you know, he's like at the, I don't know, like the, he's not at that like low level where he's like making, like physically creating, he's just like designing it for other people to to make. And that's basically the entire like theme of this movie. And I'll get into it later, but like, yeah, like it's, it's, it is a little disturbing that like, there's people in Silicon Valley or just around the world in the tech industry that are making these like amazing things, but the people that are bringing that to life are not treated well and will never, and will never ever get to the status that he's at, you know, but because he refuses to pay them as well as, you know, yeah, I'll get into it later, but just a little tidbit. Uh, the video essay does have a better job of explaining it, but that's basically it, where, like, we need to recognize the suffering that is happening for us to have a cool... Oh, look, I can have a cool little homepage. Like, it's not... My Snapchat filter looks cool. <laughs> or your fucking Xbox that you just ordered. 
you piece of shit. And I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> move on. I'm sorry. All right. So, um, but this is when we get to my favorite shot of the movie. So Yeon Kyo is talking. She's eating. Well, first of all, they wanted. She told um, Mrs. Kim to make the ramdon for Da Song. Doesn't even eat it. She eats the entire thing. And she's eating it while she's talking about the ghost that he saw and the reason that they don't have his birthday in their house anymore. And so basically, he was eating cake in the middle of the night on the floor. And he looked over to the little basement, like downstairs area, and he sees the husband popping up, like with his eyes wide open, looking at him. And it is the creepiest shot i've ever seen but it is also my favorite shot of this entire movie i'd lose my shit if i saw that yeah exactly i I honestly i thought the kid was dramatic but like i don't blame him i mean the kid's still a little dramatic (laughs) oh yeah super dramatic but the whole birthday thing i get it you know yeah um so yeah then the family they almost make the perfect escape but then the the dumb kid like we talked about he decides he needs to sleep outside in a tent. So the parents are like, they're trying to get him inside because it's still kind of raining. And they're like, well, we can't get him inside. So let's sleep in the living room. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but the Kim family is, well, all of them, except for the mom, is underneath the coffee table the whole time. Uh. And they're trying to leave, but they're, they get stuck. And a fun fact about this coffee table, it was designed specifically for the movie. Because the makers <laughs> needed to measure it so that three adults would fit under it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It is super big. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're all managed to fit there. Yeah. Laying down. After this, so there's like a, a just... <laughs> just a, a weird... <laughs> I remember watching this in the theater where they have like a sex scene on in the living room... While a family is underneath their coffee table. Ah, they didn't know that was happening, though. Oh, my God. But just watching it, though, like ha- watching it as the audience was so uncomfortable. But I could not stop laughing. Doesn't. Uh, am I remembering correctly? <laughs> Doesn't he say to get the underwear? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that was like, oh, this dude's a creep, too. Oh, what and, the then hell? They, and then they also talk shit about the park family or not park family the kim family they talk mm-hmm. shit about how um, mr kim smells yeah <laughs> uh. oh that's really sad all right so the family finally manages to get out there is a little stressful scene where as soon as when they're trying to leave um i think mr kim gets stuck because the kid like radios to them and i don't know how <laughs> they don't see him he's just laying down on the ground like face <laughs> And he's like, if I don't move and if I don't look at them, they can't see me. <laughs> but they don't, so I guess it works. Um, and they finally get out and they walk to their, they run to their home in the pouring rain. It's still raining a ton. Um, and I think I've said this before, but the movie is so obviously about class, but it is super apparent within this scene. In a bunch of scenes, but is specifically in the whole rain of it all um and it may escape you on first watch it kind of did for me but when i watched it this time and i think i did see like somebody talk about it on twitter or something um but this rain like i said for instance for the park family like it ruins their 
camping trip, right? And even mm-hmm. the next day, um, Mrs. Park says that <sighs> it was a, a blessing in disguise. But for the Kims, it ruins their entire home. Their entire home gets flooded, flooded. with sewage water. Ugh, it looks disgusting. Um, yeah, they uh, and they also like we get to a later scene where they wake up in like a stadium, which basically like an entire uh like group of people like not even, I don't want to say group it was just tons of people were misplaced because of this rain, and the next day the Park family's like it was a blessing in disguise. That's <laughs> and I have comments about oh no actually I have comments about it now, so it. This this kind of made me feel a little bit shameful because it, it makes me think of all of us idiots who keep calling quarantine a blessing in disguise. Who who does that? I think when I first came when like when we first got into quarantine, I that was my mindset just for like just so I could feel better. I was like, yeah, but like I I'm not spending a lot of money. Like I remember I said that. I don't know if I said it out loud, but I at least said it to myself. I was like, mm. oh, I'm not spending a, a bunch of money. Um, I get to, you know, be more creative. I have more time. Like, you know, I just, uh, like I said, all of us dummies that keep calling this a blessing in disguise or keep trying to make people have a positive spin on this. When so many people have died <laughs> or lost their yeah. jobs, this is not a blessing. You know, this is not like, I don't know. It was just a humble this movie humbled me where I was like, yep, I, I was one of those assholes that said that, or that thought that, and that could be true for me. That could be that this is, I guess, a blessing for me. But like I said, so many people don't have the privilege of having a job like I do, or of having a home like I do, or of not getting COVID like I do. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just the same thing. Like, it's why I bring up the Xbox. I'm I'm kidding. Like, I don't want you to feel like shit, but I think it is a good reminder to all of us that we need to like recognize these things. And if we're going to have iPhones, if we're going to have Xboxes, if we're going to like participate in this um, capitalistic world that we need to like recognize that we do. And we need to try to use whatever privileges that we have to like try to better it, you know? Definitely. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't know, just certain ways. Like, I know a lot of people have discussions. I'm not the person to have this discussion. There is a good, I'll try to plug it at the end. Um, There's a good podcast I, I've been following where this, this girl, like, interviews activists and basically is, like, having these conversations about trying to be involved in activism. And it is really hard, you know, like, with fast fashion, um, just places where, like, fast fashion I'll use as an example where, like, some of us can't, you know, buy ethical fashion because it is more expensive. And I mean, it sucks, but that's the world we live in where I, I can't, I can't drop $60 on a shirt sometimes, you know? So sometimes I do have to resort to that fast fashion, but there's certain little changes you can make. Like you can go to thrift stores or you, you know, there's certain small steps that we can make to try to phase out these, um, institutions that can like perpetually keep poor people in the same, you know, Right. Uh, life, right? Like we all have to work to help everybody be in a better situation. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that I'm done preaching, but yeah. So I don't, I don't want to make the moral of the story is like I recognize that I was one of those idiots, and I will not say that again because 
it is not a blessing. <laughs> but yeah. I love that this I love that Bong Joon-ho was like calling he's like I need to call her out on <laughs> everything. What she's doing. <laughs> All right. Oh, and um uh, two things. So da, da, da. Okay. Two fun facts about this flooding scene, though, like technically fun facts about the scene. So the Kim's family house, alleyway, and entire neighborhood were all built on a massive set that doubled as a water tank so that the whole thing could be flooded. Second thing is that the, for the flood scene of the quote-unquote poor house, face mud mask was used to give the sewage its brownish look. So not real dookie. No, no, no. Dang. Not this time. All right. So while the Kim family is trying to salvage what they can of their home, it there's like a like they're struggling to figure out what's happening, trying to get shit, you know, off that that's not touched with sewer um, water. But while that's happening, Moon Huang, who is the housekeeper, dies in front of her husband. Which I mean. <sighs> She is every I mean, there's not really a set villain in this movie, which I really like, but there was a, a certain most of the movie I didn't really like her, but it did feel really I was really sad that she died and also in front of her husband. Even though how cre like he's creepy, but like that is still sad. Because he obviously Very loves sad. her, you know, like they obviously loved each other. Um And I also would be creepy if I lived in a basement for four years. So like <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the next day, Yong Kyo calls Jessica to invite her to Dung Song's party. Um, so yeah, they decide to have a party. She and <laughs> I, I really love that one of whenever she's like, this is when she you know calls the rain a blessing, and when she's on the phone calling it a blessing, Mister Kim is driving and he's like, so over it. Uh, <laughs> a good thing, uh, another thing, the video essay pointed out that I watched is the shift and after this flood happened or after this like in the second part of the movie the first part of the movie they're like really happy to like you know scam these people and they're performing their jobs really well with like with a smile basically but in the second part they like hate it and they they don't look like they're having a great time like at all um mr kim looks exactly he has the same face as when he when he's folding those boxes with the the fumigation like exactly. fumes Mm-hmm. He looks, he kind of looks like angrier though in this time because she's like, oh, yeah. and oh, I'll get into it later. Well, I don't know if I talk about it. Yeah, I do. Sorry. <laughs> Editing myself live. All right. So at this party, after Mrs. Park gets all the stuff for it, um, the entire family is there and all these people are there that she invited. My favorite thing that she kept telling him is not to bring gifts, but then obviously they bring gifts. Um, and she's like, Oh, we're just going to have hors d'oeuvres. And then they have like an entire, they have like tons of fucking food. <sighs> just a great time. <laughs> um, da, da, da. So all, at this party, they all have a, like a very specific part to play, except for Kevin, who is, upstairs making out with the daughter and then there's this interesting part though where he asks her they're like looking at everybody and he says that they all look so cool like everybody at the party they look so i think he just says they look cool and he asks her if he fits in and i think she's like yeah 
but not convincingly like at all. <laughs> so sad, man. And yeah. Is this does he have the rock with him? I I can't remember. Yeah, he has it in the bag. That's right. So he has yeah, he has the rock. He has it in his bag. Um, and he decides that he's gonna go down and I, for whatever reason, he brings a rock with him and he's going to go down to the basement to talk to them. Don't know why. Um, but yeah, so he, he goes. Yeah, like I said, he goes down to the basement. He has the rock and then he's going down. And when he's walking down, he drops it. It's so loud. Oh, so fucking loud. But instead, of, I, at this point, I would have been like, you know what? This is a bad idea. <laughs> But mm-hmm. he's like, no, I'm going to keep going. So he creeps his way down the stairs. And then the husband, who I think he had broken himself out of it. I don't I don't really remember. Like, yeah, he was tied up. Yeah. So he <laughs> he basically beats the shit out of Kevin. He like surprises him by like getting some like metal thing. I don't know where he got it. He's like some metal thing. Didn't he kill him um, with the rock? Okay, well, so he, he like, first gets him in the neck, like, with this metal thing, and then he hits him. I think he, like, runs upstairs. Uh, I forgot exactly the sequence of events, but he ends up hitting Kevin with the rock. He hits him the first time and knocks him out, and then he picks it up again and throws it again at his head, and uh, for sure thought he was dead. Um, uh, so when he throws it again, ugh. Oof the noise so after he beats the shit out of him he (laughs) grabs he goes upstairs he grabs a knife as you do he heads straight into the party um and he goes straight after kijong and he stabs her after jessica he stabs her like in the i think it's like in the heart um after he does that the mom attacks him and mr kim is just like looking at the chaos around him because like a ton of shit is happening at this moment um the kid dosong he like falls he like faints <laughs> and everybody's freaking out because he fainted um jessica's on the floor because she got stabbed the mom is wrestling with the guy from the basement um like trying to i think he's like trying to stab her they're just like fighting and then he looks off to the side and sees the daughter carrying kevin out and he has like blood just pulling or like running down his head and his daughter is just dying. He's trying to push onto the um, wound, but she's like, it hurts. And she's just obviously dying. Oh, wow. Mr. Park is yelling at him to give him the car keys so he can take his son to like, he doesn't they want, they don't want to wait for an ambulance and he wants to like take his son to the hospital. And he's he just feels it feels like he's just unbothered by everything that's happening. The fact that the girl is stabbed, um, that the wife or that uh, Mrs. Kim is like wrestling with this guy. And one really important thing that I didn't recognize until this viewing was whenever um, after Mr. Kim throw he throws the keys at Mr. Park, but they land underneath um, the guy from the basement who at this point is stabbed from Mrs. Kim. So he's just like, I think he's just dead at this point and, or he's dying. So Mr. Park like 
lifts the guy and gets the keys. But while he's getting the keys, he like plugs his nose. Did you notice Ugh. that? Oh, he yeah, plugs yeah. his nose because of the smell. Because I'm the guy down there doesn't have a shower, so I'm assuming he smells like shit. But this i didn't even realize until i i like looked into this or i was like why is like this smell thing i didn't i knew that it happened throughout the movie but i didn't recognize it as an actual theme or metaphor until i like did more research into it but basically like the stone is a big metaphor but so is smell and uh, yeah so there's like a scene where where the kid notices that Mr. That basically all the Kims have the same smell, and it's kind of a funny line because then they the next they like cut to them being like, "Well, we need to wash our clothes different, like in different um loads or whatever." And then I think there's another there are a couple of few scenes like what like I said they make fun whenever they're um they don't know that the Kim family is underneath their coffee table they make fun of the way he smells, and then whenever she's whenever he's driving the wife to get like a party supplies she does like recoil at his smell and it's just really indicative of like how they like the reason that it's it's kind of it looks like it's the the snapping point or the breaking point for mr kim when he sees mr park do that like that's why he stabs him and it's just an indicator of how wealthy people view poor people and how like no matter how they're dressed like when they go to the the park residence they're dressed nice like you can't i guess you can't like view them as stereotypically poor because you know kevin and jessica are like in suits they're just all like dressed nice i guess but they can't really escape the smell like they can't escape the fact that they are poor and so it just it's just like shows as like a uh, one a like a sense of them being other of them being on a the different side of the line that mm-hmm. mr park drew you know and no, so it's a breaking he, point yeah that's why he sees he sees him recoil even though this is a guy that he's He's basically recoiling from the guy that murdered his daughter, but he sees it as he thinks he's better than all of us. He thinks that his son fainting is put as a higher priority than his daughter being stabbed. Because yeah. they're because they're rich and because, because they, they think, smell different. Well, yeah, because I mean, we're all like, ugh, I hate to be that person, but we're all human beings, right? We're all like all of us are worth the same because we're all human beings, but rich people like the parks think that they're worth more i mean monetarily sure but like their soul is not worth more than jessica's just because she doesn't have enough as much money as they do and i think he saw that that for however generous they may seem they don't actually view these people as people you know mm-hmm. they're just labor like yeah. honestly all of that i'd i'd probably do the same i get it yeah it's yeah. like you too much way too much but yeah um and then after mr kim stabs him everybody's like what the fuck and he just leaves <laughs> and after he leaves we cut to um kevin waking up in the hospital 
he keeps laughing. It's kind of a funny scene. I mean, this is a really serious part of the movie, but it's funny because he keeps, he like has a brain injury, obviously because of what happened. So he keeps laughing and <laughs> there's a, like the doctor's trying to tell him what happened and he just keeps laughing. And the doctor's like, why does he keep laughing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, after this, we cut to um, them visiting Jessica's like grave. Cause she passed away. Um, and then they, he also mentions that they don't know where his dad is. They have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And that people keep like tailing them to try to see if they know, but him and his mom have no idea where he is. Um, after this, Kevin decides he's going to go back to the house. At this point, it has new owners. I think I, you can't really tell there. I mean, it's, it, there's just new owners. Um, and then he sees the light going on and off and he decides to like record it. Because he knows Morse code, or at least he can like decipher it. He was a scout. He was a Cub Scout. Exactly. And this is where we see that Mr. Kim, after he stabbed Mr. Park, he like went around. He he looked like he left because they were showing this kind of it looked like a dateline kind of thing where they were talking about what happened. And they said he just disappeared into the alley. But in actuality, he left, went through the garage and went into the basement while nobody was looking. Mm -hmm. um, and so he's been down there this whole time and he wrote a letter to his son and he was like uh, telling him through the Morse code. Um, <clears throat> and he basically just tells him about like what he's been doing. The fact he's been, he buried uh, whenever they were, I guess, going between owners after the parks moved out, <clears throat> he buried the housekeeper <clears throat> and he's been stealing food from the new family. And after this, after he finishes reading the letter, Kevin writes his own letter to his dad and he tells him that he'll buy the house and or he'll work. He'll earn enough money so that he can buy the house. And the day that he moves in, his dad can walk upstairs and be a free man. And then they cut to they cut to the like the when while he's explaining this they show it happening like they show him older with his mom they like just moved into the house his dad walks up and they reunite they have a great time they're hugging um and it looks like the end of the movie <laughs> cuz it fades out and then we cut back to the basement which is basically the first shot of the movie and we pan down to Kevin. He's still writing the letter. And then he ends and says, so long until then. Man, <laughs> I can't speak enough onto the first and last scenes. That's probably one of my favorites of any movie because I watched one video and I don't remember who it was from or, <laughs> or where, but he said that like, Bong Joon-ho loves uh, starting and ending his movies with the characters in their same like place. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's just, if you compare the two scenes, the front, the first shot and the last shot, they're exactly the same, but so much has happened between them, but they're still like, they're still kind of in the same. I mean, obviously he's some of the them same, are dead, but he's yeah, they're in the same predicament. Predicament. Yeah. It's, Honestly, well, actually, I wouldn't even say same. I think they're they're off worse. <laughs> I mean, they oh, lost definitely. two of their family. But yeah, but yeah it's just. I mean, it, yeah. I love that. And, and I don't know. It's just I remember 
when that happened. So I remember specifically this movie. I knew it was brilliant (coughs) at this point because it's like all the way done. But after that, when they showed him, like, you know, the reuniting scene, and I was like, oh, that's that's a nice ending, I guess. And then they showed that that he was just explaining what was going to happen. And I looked at Sebastian, and I was like, he's never getting that house. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and actually, a- another fun fact about this movie. Not really fun fact. Um, so A Glass of Soju, which is the first end credit song, is written by Bong Joon-ho and sang by Wo Seek Choi. And the original title is called 564 Years, which is the number of years that Kevin would have to work to earn the money to buy the house. Damn, man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of years. A lot of years. But I I can't explain how much I love this ending because they didn't have to tell you that. Like, they didn't have to tell you. At least, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious. I think it. I think it might change by the the culture of the person viewing it or just the understanding of the world, I guess. But like, I wonder if there were people that were like, yeah, he's going to be able to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause whenever I watched this and I was like, fuck, he's not going to like, that's a, that's a sad ending. Cause he's never going to be able to do that. And his dad's going to be yeah. stuck there forever. Yeah. I thought, I thought the same thing. <clears throat> I was I'm, just, I'm, and- I'm sure there's somebody out there that was like, I think it's a happy ending. <laughs> There's got to be. And honestly, like the the thing that seals it for me is like Kevin's face at the end. <clears throat> yeah. or, he just he's just you can just see he's just like tired. It's just and then the lighting is perfect for it. It just matches it so well. Well, I think it kind of well, I'm wondering this is how I'm going to interpret it, but I think when he was writing it is kind of the same way how I felt whenever I was watching it. Like I was watching this nice story of him, like ending the movie perfectly and him ending his story perfectly. And I was like, yeah, this is great. I I hope this happens. And then the realization, like we have the same realization that he does at the same time where he's like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God, this ending is so, this ending is perfect. This movie is perfect, but this ending I could not stop thinking about it after I watched it. It's it's perfect. <sighs> so good. All right, I have a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> couple. It's like another page. I know. Well, a couple of things about this movie, and then we have just general fun facts. Um, the parks are in their own way parasites. Each member of the family is in sore need of a companion, as they can't rely on each other properly. That was from IMDb. But um, I think at least my understanding of this movie and then I got my thoughts together a little bit better with like research and just time to think about this movie. I think this movie perfectly points out the flaws of the idea of the American dream where we're taught. I mean, this is what I was taught. I guess you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we're kind of taught that working hard, like the whole term pulling yourself up by the bootstraps is is the only thing that you need to be successful and to have the American dream. Um, but that's not true. <laughs> I mean, I guess successful in your own way is like a different argument, but I don't think, like, I think success, how it's viewed in our culture, people are saying the way you can do that 
It's just by working hard. Yeah. And that's not true at all. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of privilege. There's so many things that go into <clears throat> achieving that that don't have to do with working hard. Mm-hmm. You know, so much and oh, sorry, privilege and opportunity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it also disproves the idea that poor people are the parasites like we think like we as a culture think that they are because there's a stereotype that poor people are lazy or that they're um yeah i think that's the biggest thing is that they're lazy lazy <laughs> lazy or that they're like kind of like a, like deceiving kind of you know how the kims are they're like scammers <clears throat> there's this idea that poor people are that but like I don't know, the Kims worked hard and they earned money. You know, they did what the American dream tells you you need to do. Um, But like we said, they ended up in the same position, if not worse, than at the beginning. Um, And they're not able, like, they were not able, with all the scams that they had, they were not able to escape the life that they had at the very beginning. And the only people, like, I think this movie... The, the video essay does a really good job of explaining that this movie shows that the only people that are actually uh, like everybody's a parasite in this movie but the but the people that are like the most parasitic are the rich people mm-hmm. because they as the kims are working constantly to try to get themselves out of this hole right they're trying to get literally a hole like a basement they're trying to work to get themselves out of it but no matter how hard they work they can't and the only people that are profiting off of them is off of their labor is the park family and that's basically like a uh comment on you know big companies like we're talking about you know they're profiting off of people because they don't want to pay them like right. how are people that are making our iPhones? How are they going to live the American dream if these big companies are not paying them enough? You know, and these companies are actually the parasites because they're profiting off of cheap labor from people, and it just they're just perpetuating this cycle of poor people just staying poor, and it's directly their fault. And then they have the audacity to put this stereotype on poor people saying that they're lazy. Right. Oh, God. The world's a bad place. <laughs> it truly is. All right. But what does this, what does this movie all mean? I think I kind of explained it, but this is like a bunch of fun facts that kind of explain, uh, or that are centered around Bong Joon-ho's like specific ideas of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so his statement for the film For people of different circumstances to live together in the same space is not easy. It is increasingly the case in the sad world that humane relationships based on coexistence or symbiosis cannot hold. And in one group, Oh, and one group is pushed into a parasitic relationship with another. In the midst of such a world, who can point a finger at a struggling family locked in a a fight for survival and call them parasites. It's not that they were parasites from the start, there are neighbors, friends, and colleagues who have merely been pushed to the edge of a, pref- a, of a precipice. Sorry, a precipice. 
As a depiction of ordinary people who fall into an unavoidable commotion, this film is a comedy without clowns, a tragedy without villains, all leading to a violent tangle and a headlong plunge down the stairs. You are all invited to this unstoppingly fierce tragic comedy. I love that. Uh, and then comedy a little without bit. clowns. I love that. I know. Um, and the rock that is gifted to the Kims as a charm for wealth and good fortune. Um, whenever they get the rock, the mom says that they should have gotten real food instead. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <clears throat> and this represents how hope is portrayed in this film as a false reassurance. As encouraging as it is, if we can't give anything lasting or solid then it's eventually worthless. Um, and this is also shown by the guy from the basement using the rock to smash um, Kevin in the face and escape those rampage, or escape whose rampage destroys the Kims and the Parks. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I can't read. Um, yeah, that's the same thing. The film's title, uh, the film's title is a clever reference to the end of the film. A parasite is an organism that attaches to a host and feeds off of it from the inside of the host. Because he can't gain wealth, the father is forced to feed off of the wealth and the resources of a much richer family while living inside of their house. Yeah. Um, and the last thing. For Bong Joon-ho, Parasite is a tragic comedy that depicts the ho- the humor, horror, and sadness that arise when you want to live in a prosperous life together, but then you run up against the reality of just how difficult that can be. All right. That's everything. I have a lot of fun facts. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Right. I meant like that's everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the movie. That's everything. Yeah. The movie All is right. everything. <clears throat> so this movie was shot in 77 days. Um, and I have a couple of like subcategories because there's so many fun facts. So for this is first like the awards that it won. So that won the Palme d'Or. <laughs> I, I, I should have done that with a uh, French accent. Door. Palme d'Or. <laughs> at the 2019 Cannes Film Festival. And it was the first Korean film to ever do so. Bong Joon-ho was particularly happily, whoa, particularly happy with the best editing and best production design Oscar nominations for the film as he felt great technicians and masters working in Korean film industry were getting recognized for the first time. Um, this is the third film to win both, both the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival and the Academy Award for Best Picture. Um, the other two were The Lost Weekend and Marty, which are pretty old films. Of the three films, only this and the latter won unanimously at Cannes. According to editor Jinmo Yang, he edited the film in Final Cut Pro 7, an editing program that Apple stopped supporting in 2011 on a computer that hasn't had a software update since 2014. God, res- that sounds like you. <laughs> I know. That's so but annoying. guess what, bitch? He received an Oscar nomination for his work. Poor. um and this movie was nominated for six academy awards and it won four it won best picture best director best original screenplay and best international feature it was also nominated for best film editing and production design but it didn't win in those categories and it is the first academy or is the first best picture winner for um uh non-english film or a film that's not in english 
Yeah, I have a I have a little fun fact from of myself that's not really related. It's kind of related to the film, but I went to <clears throat> the trivia and uh, they asked about what uh, movies were nominated in this year's Academy Awards mm-hmm. for Best Picture. That's it. <laughs> okay. This movie was on that list. Of course it was. And then Is it won? I thought I thought uh, Jojo Rabbit was going to win, honestly. Really? I okay, so I didn't think Parasite would win because um the Academy's racist. <laughs> <laughs> so I I didn't think that cuz it's really really hard for an international film to win. Super Yeah, hard. like you said, no uh non-English <clears throat> film has ever won the yeah the award but and when uh, sebastian watched it with me he surprised me i was gonna watch it by myself but he surprised me by coming to austin to watch it with me and i screamed many a times every time he won i got very happy yeah i mean bong joo ho said it in his acceptance speech i I don't remember which for which award but he said something to the effect of if you guys get over the uh Two, one inch or two inch barrier of subtitles then you're going to be introduced to so many amazing films which is so true yeah my favorite movies are just uh, yeah and like other countries are doing such interesting shit which is i mean parasite is a huge example of that but like some of the most interesting movies i've seen are like french films korean films are amazing um yeah we're going to get into spooky month. If you want to watch any legitimately terrifying, scary movie, I, it's probably an Asian film. <laughs> they just do horror better than us. Um, yeah. And people are just missing out on amazing Good films, movies. especially French, like indie films. Uh, those amazing. Are- yeah so good okay um i do have another little like subcategory of bong joon ho interviews which are my favorite kind of interviews because he's so fucking funny like Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't in here but um during uh i think it was after he won i kind of like the one of the oscars they had a press conference they have a press conference that they go to after right like right after they win and for people that don't know the oscars are basically the last award show during like award season and they asked him like how he feels now and he says he's excited um because this means that he can go home (laughs) (laughs) because he he obviously doesn't live in america um because why would you when you can live in south korea um all right in an interview with korean magazine cine i don't know how you say that cine 21 Director Bong Joon-ho spoke of his experience in filming in a hyper-rich Korean home. He said his hand literally shook from anxiety when he was returning a trash can that was used as a prop. The trash can was of high-tech variety and stayed silent even when the lid was being closed. And do you want to guess how much it is? I I just saw it. Damn it. $2,500. That's ridiculous. Um, And he also said about it in a different interview... He said, what the fuck? What kind of idiot would buy a trash can that's going to smell anyways? <laughs> <laughs> um, he also, at the Munich Film Festival, he said he doesn't like screenwriting and that it makes him nervous and insufferable to his family. 
<laughs> um, the idea for Parasite has existed since 2015, and the final script was written in three and a half months. That's pretty no, short. Fuck right? him. <laughs> yeah, it's really short. People sometimes take years to write screenplays. Yeah. Um, when asked if he thought it was his best film, Bung Jun Ho shrugged, saying his next one is the best, then paused to say he hopes so. fucking love him he's so funny um all right a couple more fun facts and then we're done the film makes several nods to alfred hitchcock throughout stairs are used as a motif voyeurism is used as characters watch scenes through windows 14 times and most obviously there is a brief glimpse of an out-of-place alfred hitchcock collection in the park's home um, there was a wide aspect ratio that was chosen to accommodate the capture of a large family group in a single frame. <clears throat> um, Bong Joon-ho first conceived of the film as a play, but the first line itself got him thinking about the camera positions. So he decided <laughs> to make a film. Asking them to refrain from spoilers, Bong Joon-ho released a word of pleading for international press before Cannes film premiere <laughs> pleading i'm glad he did honestly because this movie i mean any movie this movie kind of inspired my need to like go see movies without knowing anything um but truly not finding anything out about this movie was the best decision i've ever mm-hmm. made oh okay <clears throat> this is about the black and white film so Oh, yeah. Because of his respect and fascination with black and white cinematography, director Bong Joon-ho announced that he would release his acclaimed film in just black and white in January 2020. This special presentation of Parasite was planned to debut um, at a film festival with screenings to follow in New York and Los Angeles, as well as small small (laughs) art house theaters in other cities um, like Fort Worth. It also I think they had it in Austin, too. Um, And speaking about the black and white release of the film, Bong Joon-ho hoped that with the colors gone, viewers could see more clearly the contrast in living conditions between the rich and poor families. That makes a lot of sense. I wish I would have. I hope maybe there's a way I can buy it. I don't know. Hopefully. Um, And he also chose his longtime collaborator, Kang Ho Song, who plays the dad, I believe, and Wo Seek Choi, who plays, I think plays the son, who plays Kevin. Um, And they were in Bong's last film, Okja. Oh, I forgot he made Okja, Um, which came out in 2017. Before picking any of the other actors of the movie while writing his script is when he decided he he wanted them in it. Bong also said that if Song had declined, he wouldn't have made the movie and he couldn't think of an because he couldn't think of another actor to play the part. Whoa. <laughs> uh, imagine. Can All he, right, I know mind. the power he has. <laughs> 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 All right. Sorry, that that's a long one. It's a lot it's, of stuff. Oof. <laughs> it's probably gonna be the longest episode because this is almost two hours just by itself. <clears throat> yeah, maybe we'll cut around some stuff. Maybe I don't know. That's Anthony's call. But I, I already said how I feel about this movie. This movie is perfect. Um, and I think it, it can, every time I watch it, it makes me think more about my life and how I operate within a capitalistic society. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Amazing movie. Watch it, please. If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. Alrighty. What are we doing next time? Next time is a special time. Cause it's, the first of October, 
and it's also Olivia's birthday after that. And I thought, what a better way to celebrate Olivia's birthday and the start of spooky season than watch one of her favorite movies of all time, Paranormal Activity. So I watch it. So excited. Where is it on? It's, a, it's on Netflix. So uh, watch it. It's a good one. And quick before we end, throughout October, I have a list of scary movies that I love that are available on streaming services. This isn't a comprehensive list of the best or of my favorites. It's just ones that I think you should watch during spooky season. So um, go to our Instagram or Twitter. Let me scroll all the way up. Um, our Instagram is at brother sister show, Twitter at bro sis show. If you go to the link in both of those descriptions or in the descriptions of those profiles, then uh, you can head to our discord where you can see every single day, hopefully I remember, we're going to post uh, a different movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Also, (laughs) okay. shout out to Haley, Kayla's uh, friend. Oh, yeah, she's my friend too. Shout out to my friend Haley. She she told me that she, she really likes the podcast and yeah, shout out. Yay. So apologies for how long this one is. It's okay. Parasite is worth it. I'm not, you know what? Not sorry. <laughs> I'll cut some of it so it won't be like too long. It'll it'll still be long, but it won't be. It'll be like seven minutes shorter or something like that, maybe. Alrighty. Sounds good. All right. Bye.